we're back, Husker fans, with a day early show of Generation Red, a kettle corn of Husker fan podcast, whatever you want to call it. I'm a little discombobulated <laughs> today, uh, as was uh, most of the Husker football team from about quarter two on. <laughs> so I'm your host, Ken. Hey, I am the other one, known as Scott. Yeah, and uh, we're just going to kind of wing this one, folks. We've got a few things to talk about, but for the most part, uh, we all saw what happened in the stadium uh, earlier today. It was not exactly what we expected in the first quarter. We expected more Whipple ball, I'm thinking, and then we didn't get it, and there was hope for just a little while, and then Whipple balls showed up again, and uh, two and a half quarters later, we finally decided to run the ball again at the end of the game. Logan Smothers was probably the right one to have in the game for most of it. He sure looked like he had some moxie at the end, but they fell just a little bit short. Uh, in fact, one Trey Palmer catch may have been the difference between going to over overtime and uh, losing, but we lost. So here we are to talk about it. Um, yep. Just let's wing real quick. Your I, That's kind of my overall game impression. His tale of two halves looked good in the first quarter, and then whatever Minnesota did to adjust to what we were doing on offense, suddenly Whipple got cold feet when it came to relying on the feet of uh, Anthony Grant. So, hey, that, that was actually pretty poetic. <laughs> Unlike the game. Um, yeah, go ahead. Your overall game impressions, and we'll take a look at the stats. Yeah, it was definitely um, a tale of two halves. It is definitely a metaphor metaphor whatever a thing it's a thing we say um quite often this year and it very much so was the case um yeah it just it, minnesota adjusted they went from kind of a man to man more conservative on the defensive line to zone and a little bit more aggressive on the defensive line cuz i think that they were kind of just trying to scout out what Chubb Purdy was going to do as a quarterback, considering he looked pretty bad last week. They kind of wanted to just feel him out. And once they kind of got an idea of what he was going to bring to the table, they went a little bit more aggressive and a little bit softer in the coverage because they just knew that it was it was worth it to gamble on being able to just constantly get pressure in his backfield. And once they started doing that, it was like we threw the white flag and there wasn't much adjustment uh, done on the offense. It was a very predictable scheme from the Whipple offense. And we just came out flat after our first two series. And it never really showed up again until the end of the game. And even at the end of the game, it seemed like our guys were so mentally checked out that they weren't able to make just simple decisions and simple reads, specifically in the quarterback room, um, Chubba or or Logan Smothers. Smothers, I felt like l- gave us a little bit more of a spark, but then there were just some there were just some missed reads that are just like, come on, like I understand, or no, I don't understand. I don't understand how how complicated it has got to be to be a quarterback how much competence it requires, how much tenacity it takes and, and how much just an absolute uh, like precise attention to detail it takes to be a quarterback. I have no freaking idea where that begins or where that ends. And so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that goodness gracious, it's gotta be nerve wracking making those decisions on the fly and, and trusting your instincts. 
Um, but goodness gracious, there were just open wide receivers left and right that they were missing. They were going for, you know, they, they must've been paying attention to the meme, the effort. Trey Palmer's got to be down there somewhere when you've got Volkolek or Brewington or, uh, Marcus Washington running across, you know, running across the field, you know, all you got to do is just put it in their arms and they should catch it. But as we kind of saw throughout the game, there were definitely some drop balls that were thrown into the receiver's arms or it bounced off their chest or whatever. So it just, it was just frustrating. And and I think the most frustrating uh, final, final play of the game, it wasn't the final, but it was definitely the nail in the coffin was when it was third and five and Logan Smothers rolls out, rolls out to the, to the sideline. And instead of taking, taking the first down that was right in front of him, he just throws it away. All he had was one guy to beat. Just run it to the first down, go out of bounds, call it good. We got, we can live to see another day, but he didn't do that. And then he just, instead of, I think it was Brewington once again, maybe it was, it was Marcus Washington when he, when he threw that last, when he threw that last ball down the field to Trey Palmer. I mean, there was a guy who was cutting to the sideline and he was open, but he didn't throw it to him. He threw it. He was just the effort. Trey Palmer's down there somewhere. And so there was just, there were just multiple instances throughout this game where it was like, you just, you just gotta, obviously you can't make every decision correctly every single time, but if you make 80% of your decisions correctly, you have a way better shot of winning the game. And we haven't been able to get over that 50% ratio since Scott Frost was fired. I mean, aside from, I guess, Indiana and Rutgers, but then those two games were just kind of, they weren't pretty by any stretch of the imagination. But at this point, after this game, um, there are definitely some things that you can look at on our defense that you kind of go, hmm, we have a potential to have a, a, a pretty decent defense next year. There's some young talent in there. Um, and you look at our offense and we've got talent across the board we just got to hit the reset button and give them a different blueprint and give them a different, uh, uh, an offensive coordinator. Um, I think as it's pretty much blatantly said, you know, viscerally on Twitter is, you know, Whipple is just, he's just cruising to retirement at this point. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what it is that he was able to do at Pitt last year that he is not able to do here aside from you know maybe a a Heisman contending quarterback um it's just it's just frustrating it was a frustrating game to watch um but I can see the potential I'm just gonna kind of I at this point man I am looking forward to next season I'm looking forward to who we get as a head coach whether it's Mickey Joseph or one of the candidates in the coaching carousel whatever um I'm just I, I, I'm I'm more so watching the games at this point. This game was the first game where I actually told myself to watch it more as a perspective to what we could have in the future, more so than being concerned with can we win the game right now? Because as far as I'm concerned, we're not winning another game. Um, so I might as well start looking forward and seeing what what potential we have on this roster right now that can carry us to maybe a more successful season next year. That's just my overall take. Um, Props to, if I were to give my my overall props, I would say 
props to the defense. They played, they played their hearts out and they just got gassed out at the end of the game. So, um, yep. Those are my overall thoughts. What, what do you got? What were some, what were some things that kind of struck, struck you as intriguing or, um, whatever. I've right out of the gate, uh, stupid me. I never watched game day. Haven't ever watched game day for any reason other than the last time they were in Lincoln before we took a, you know, take Ford, you know, Ohio state took us out behind the woodshed. Um, but I was watching the picks at the end of the game day show this, this afternoon. I missed the first three minutes of the game. So I didn't see our best drive. Uh, thank God I recorded it on YouTube TV. So I'll watch that later. But, uh, um, it looked to me when we look at the stats, it's going to be pretty obvious. Uh, other than that second half, there wasn't much Minnesota could do on the ground. There just wasn't. And then all of a sudden they could, they, you know, I hope Tanner Morgan's injured. I hope that just wasn't PJ flex saying, screw it. Let's go with the guy with some feet that can make some things happen. We can run some misdirection with, and we'll just say Tanner Morgan is hurt. I don't know. Cause he doesn't want to destroy the kid's confidence by yanking him. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess he's hurt. I hope he's not too badly hurt, but um, yeah, it just seemed weird watching a red shirt freshman quarterback look way more prepared to handle being in a game against us than our quarterbacks who prepared all week looked to uh, handle a game against Minnesota. I get it. Their defense is good, but mm. our defense is really good for the first half. Unbelievable defense for the first half. 31 total yards for Minnesota in the first half, and they finished with 300. That, to me, is a pretty impressive first half, but then you know, to give up 300 and, or 269 yards in the second is indicative of just how bad the offense was. How, um, how many, I think I counted at least, was it, what was it, five three and outs in a row starting at the end of the first half till we finally got down and, and kicked that field goal there toward the end. And most of those drives didn't last much longer than a minute or two. So Whipple yeah. did nothing to protect his defense. Nothing. Uh, they, they didn't play complimentary football. And, you know, even though we held them to only 31 yards, they still had the ball for just over 14 minutes in the first half anyway. So it was only a matter of time before the defense got tired. And sure enough, it did. So this to me was a game. And my overall impression is <clears throat> if the guy's getting you five, six yards of carry, lean on them until they stop it. Um, and then their guy was getting five or six yards to a carry at the end of the game because we couldn't stop it. We were too tired. Third and seven, and he makes it when there was a dude dead, had him dead to rights, two yards uh, ahead of the line of scrimmage, but he squirts through there, gets another five, and, well, he didn't get quite get the first down, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It was close. Um, it just was huh, disheartening. It is what it is. Uh, we both picked this to be a much worse loss than it was. Uh, yet again, Nebraska manages to lose by one score. Uh, and of course they ended up, uh, helping Minnesota break their streak of 32 straight games where they are losing by 10 points at any time in the game. They lost every one of those games until this one. That is yep. a Nebraska thing for us to do. We're really uh, good at that. Yes, we are. We're really good at helping other folks break their streaks, I guess. They're negative ones anyway. So, pain. The, yeah, yeah, it's <sighs> pain. I, I wanted to make a slide for this, but I thought, why? 
Uh, this is pretty obvious. The stats were, for the most part, skewed definitely in Minnesota's favor. Uh, 13 first downs for Nebraska, 18 for Minnesota. Uh, 300 total yards for Minnesota, 267 for Nebraska. We had a feeling we were looking at a game like that where we weren't getting a lot of yards. We had to get up early, and we did. Problem is we couldn't put our step, put our foot on their throats. Um, yep. Surprised we didn't do an onside kick. Yeah, I kind of was too. I mean, you had nothing to lose, right? Um, 121 passing for Nebraska, 175 for Minnesota. A lot of that coming off the arm of that uh, young redshirt freshman who made just dropped some pretty nice passes in there for those guys. Uh, here's the surprising stat. 146 yards rushing on 35 attempts for Nebraska for a, a total of 4.2 yards per carry. And you compare that to 45 rushes for 125 yards at 2.8 yards per carry for Minnesota, you would think you won the game. <laughs> but, you know, they did get one turnover off of us. Uh, we didn't get any, and they ended up uh, 20, 34 minutes, 41 seconds of time of possession. Nebraska mm-hmm. 26 for 19 and a relatively clean game. They really let them play, though I saw quite a bit of hand fighting between the receivers and the DBs, and that resulted in an only, yeah. only two penalties for 10 yards for Nebraska and only two penalties for 18 yards. You make Minnesota. a good point. I didn't realize how not frustrated I was by the refereeing. There were many yeah. times that I was watching, and I'm like, that could have easily been an offensive holding, or that could have easily been a defensive pass interference or offensive pass interference. It could have been... It could have been something egregious across across the whole game, um, right. but it Just wasn't. Couple, they let them play. Five yard procedure penalty. And God, that was that's so fun to watch games like that. I would rather, I would rather know for a fact that we're getting held and we're getting defensive pass interference on us, so long as it's the favors returned for us, and that we can both evenly make you know, somewhat questionable mistakes, but the refs just keep their hands in their pockets. Like that's, that's kind of a refreshing thought. I didn't, I didn't make that connection until now, at least that's a a moral victory. Let's go. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want to know what refing crew this was. Cause I want to know whenever we get them again. Yeah. They were actually pretty good. Uh, (laughs) So there you go. That's your final stats folks. Um, we got a couple of guys that we thought stood out in the game, um, especially the first half. Mm-hmm. And that would be our game breaker and game wrecker of the week. The game breaker, of course, is Anthony Grant, 21 rushes for 115 yards. I think that works out to about four and a half yards of carry. Somewhere in there, I didn't do the math. I should have done the math, but I didn't do the math. Let me do the math real quick because, you know, we're just trying to fill time at this point, right? Um, <laughs> what What was the math? 21, 5.476 yards per carry on Jesus average. Christ. And we That's exactly what you want from a running back. Guy. Yeah. You couldn't ride that guy for more than so, that. Whip. So maybe I mean, the preseason shade from the uh, head coach of Pitt maybe was wasn't so, so much as shady as it was just a harsh yeah. reality. Yeah. Get ready. I kind of had this. It's going to be ugly, kind of deal. Yeah. I kind of had this feeling that it was probably true because, I mean, you don't throw your coach under the bus like that unless it's like at least somewhat founded in reality. Um, Mm -hmm. 
so that's uh you know hindsight 2020 i suppose yes sir yes sir um game record of the week even though he doesn't have the most tackles on the on the on the team he's the one that made the biggest difference especially in that first half uh would be caleb tanner six total tackles four of them on his own one and a half sacks the half sack was com- combination with oshawn mathis uh, meet at the quarterback, which is kind of re- reminiscent of some of those 90s defensive ends back in the day. It was kind of fun to watch uh, those mm-hmm. guys play for sure. And then a total of two and a half tackles for loss. I thought Caleb had a fantastic game and then kind of went away in the second half. Wasn't nearly, I, I think they neutralized him with a lot of that misdirection stuff that they were doing. Uh, hell, they, they just they ran the ball. That's all they had to do. They fooled the cameraman half the time. Seemed like every time that Kazanakis or whatever the hell his last name was, that Richard freshman quarterback uh, did a zone read, he was keeping it. And, I mean, it looked like Mo had the ball. <clears throat> but nope. nope. Next thing you know, they had to pan the camera up real quick, and he was already six, seven yards down the field. So <laughs> that's some good ball skills right there. That kid's going to be scary for the next few years to uh, have to play against and scheme up stuff against. So, yep. Caleb Tanner was our game wrecker of the week, most especially in the first half. So there we go. We're about done. How's about that? 18 minutes. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank God. I'm hungry and we want to go out. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, we'll talk about fun facts in a little bit here. Um, team ratings on a scale of one to 10, starting with you. Yeah, I have a feeling I know what this is for the offense. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I'm just going to. I'm just going to make this very simple and I'm just going to go down the line. Um, so for the offense, I gave it like three and a quarter. Cause there, like I said, there were some good things we got to, we got to witness. Um, and honestly, I'm just picking, you know, number, number agami, some sort of origami with the numbers three and a quarter sounded kind of cool. Um, price of a monster, I guess you could say an energy drink. Um, yeah, it was three and a quarter. It looked good for the first two drives. And then there were some things in the fourth quarter, like right at the end that were like, okay, somewhat okay-ish. And I honestly should rate them a little bit lower. But if it wasn't for the fact that Anthony Grant was such a consistent like force, that right. was just so criminally underutilized. You know, I've, I'm, I'm, that his, his presence weighs heavy on that that three otherwise i would have probably given it a two and a half um but then my defense uh i gave it a seven and a half like gotta give them an a for an effort um yeah they got burnt out in in the second half for good reason but that first half that was brutal that was amazing i was hyped up i was jumping out jumping out of the couch quite a few times because when was the last time we'd seen such a, a sack filled performance it's been a while. Um, yeah, right. That mm-hmm. pressure was was incredible. But then, yep, you know, it kind of burned out in the second half. Our offense, if we had complimentary football, I mean, they would have easily gotten a nine. But seven and a half it is. And then special teams, I gave an eight because, you know, Brian Bushimi and Timmy Bleak Road really were just consistent and reliable. Um, there wasn't any mishaps or anything. Was there? There was one punt. There was one punt where uh, uh, Oliver Martin had about 10 yards between he and the defender that was approaching him, and he called a fair catch. 
Uh, yeah. And that was one instance that I was like, you got to take that one, buddy. Like, but other than that, looked good. So all of that together, I gave the our team an overall rating of a six and a quarter. If you okay. add that all up together. So, so it's not uh, bad. You had what? An eight for the special teams then? Yeah, I had an eight. Okay. I, I thought I said that, but I gave I him an eight. I'm sorry. I, oh, you're good. <laughs> You're good. So I gave him, I gave him a six and a quarter. Um, what, what would you contrast with my, with that? Like what, what do you got? Um, we're really, really close. 3.5 is what I gave the offense. Uh, just slightly more generous than you. And then, uh, slightly less generous on the defense gave it a 6.5. You know, if you base it on the first half performance, that would have been a nine, you know, but then come second half. And a lot of that isn't their fault because, you know, they were on the field, 90% 90% of the half, the second half, uh, yep. best as I could tell. But it seemed like they had a hard time, and Bush had a hard time figuring out what to do with that young quarterback and with the zone read and with the misdirection stuff. It seemed like everybody was flowing toward the play fake, and there was almost nobody on the backside on some of those plays. So I had to downgrade it quite a bit simply because the adjustments weren't there to take some of that stuff away. And then Mo just absolutely bowling balled his way. Uh, through the defense there at the end. So 6.5 for the defense uh, special teams. I gave an eight just like you did. Cause I thought bleak road was money. Um, except that last field goal almost gave your mom a heart attack. She's like, Oh no, no, no. And then it just barely made, I thought for sure he was going to doink it right off the front of the upright, the way, way it first came off his foot. Uh, <laughs> and then of course, Bushini just, Good heavens, what a leg. Can he does he have another year? Can we get him another year? Can we figure out a way to keep him here? That would be awesome because it's the first time I've seen a really good punter in a long, long time. Um, I would not be surprised if the NFL goes and snatches him up right away. Oh, um, sure. He'll, it, punters rarely get drafted. I have a feeling that kid might get drafted. Um, six is my overall score for the team. So 20 to 13, Nebraska loses to Minnesota. Oh, yeah, yeah. Should we just predict the Michigan game real quick? We're not going to do yeah. it. So let's yeah, just let's just, let's just let's just roll right uh, into it. Um, and I'll just kind of I'll just kind of roll into it if you don't mind. Um, go ahead. Uh, ESPN Analytics FPI gives us approximately a 3.4% chance of winning against uh, Michigan in the big house, you know, so that's better than 1%, I suppose. Uh, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> no. I knew I had to go uh, there. <laughs> but it's going to be, if, if there's going to be any game where we get blown out by an actual good team not the pseudo ranked Oklahoma team that came into Lincoln and we just basically beat ourselves this is is fixing to be a schlacking with with Blake Corum Ronnie Bell and JJ McCarthy all in sync with each other and their defense being you know they have barely take this taken a step back from uh last year with their NFL talent um Michigan is the real deal. I don't know if they're quite necessarily a playoff team at this point, but they're definitely a contender, and I, I'm really looking forward to uh, their rivalry game in November with Ohio State. But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna have a real bad time next week. I think uh, 
I, I'm obviously going to watch the game. I'm going to hold on to that. I've always got that little, that little part in my heart that saves room for the possibility of, of an upset or a, a miraculous victory. So it's not out of the question, but it's definitely out of our current solar system of potential. So um, that's just kind of what what we're dealing with here. I don't know anybody that is is in Nebraska Nation that's going to be really high about this game. If there is, you got to direct me to his dealer or her dealer right away because I need to know what the hell they're smoking. Um, <laughs> or snorting or injecting into their veins, whatever it is, whatever Kool-Aid laced drug they're taking. I don't know. Um, but my prediction, I'll just go right into the, to my score prediction. And then uh, I'll, I'll leave it out to you. If you have any just general takes, uh, you don't have to necessarily do a score prediction right away. You just kind of monologue kind of like I did, but I'm thinking it's going to probably be something like 48 to 13 Michigan. I, I, and I'm, I would be hard pressed for us to actually score 13. The only reason why I think we score 13 is because whatever it is that we do to start our games script wise seems to work about 80% of the time getting down the field and putting three or seven up on the board. So yeah, if we can utilize Logan Smothers, if we can utilize our criminally underrated running back of Anthony Grant, give him a little bit more time, uh, to run the ball, we might get, you know, in the double digits for a score. But I've got Michigan in the big house, laying the wood on our poor scarlet and cream, 48 to 13. What's your overall take of Michigan, Dad? Well, what little of them I've seen that that game at the end of the year with uh, Ohio State, especially since they really struggled with Northwestern right at the beginning of the game there in in uh, in where in the hell does Northwestern play? Chicago, uh, Evanston. Atlanta. Evanston, that's it. it was I was sitting there trying to think. They had a heck of a time in that first half. So uh, who knows what Ohio State team is going to show up in Columbus that night. It's going to be cold, most likely. Uh, but as far as the type of Nebraska team that's going to show up in um, Ann Arbor, I hope they're angry. I hope they're not too tired and worn out and bruised up from this last one because, man, Minnesota took it to us on a physical level in that second half. So with that in mind, I'm with you. I think Michigan scores in the forties. I think they score one more point than you predicted. I think they put up 49. I think they do a lot of that in the first half and Harbaugh calls off the dogs in the second half. And you see a lot of backups playing on both offense and defense. Nebraska probably puts up three to seven points in the first half and then puts up another 10 in the second half because they're not playing against the first teamers. Unfortunately, that sounds really bleak, but I just don't see anything better than 49-17 Michigan. So there you go. Yay. <laughs> we're just, uh, as, you, as you said, Scott, we're kind of treading water here to the end of the year. We kind of knew things were going to be difficult sailing, especially going into November. There was no doubt in our minds that unless Nebraska was pretty close to bowl eligible, if not bowl eligible going into November, that the idea of getting bowl eligible in November was nil to none. Yeah. Uh, even with frost still here and in many ways calling a better, at least running game than what Mark Whipple does. Um, 
So that's where we're at. We're looking at hopefully at. squeaking something out, maybe get some juice going, going into Iowa and surprise them. But even they're starting to look like they know how to play offense now. Yeah. Uh, bastards. Where did um, they find that? I have, I have no clue. Um, maybe, maybe they've tied up. Maybe they've told Brian Ferenc that he just gets to sit up in the booth and shut up and Kirk's actually calling the games. I don't know. Or they've got like some like 21 year old <laughs> analyst who showed yeah. his beautiful resume of 11 <laughs> years of experience with NCAA football. Yeah. Um, it's it's just like guys. NCAA 14 and now he's. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Oh my gosh. So. Fun fact. Fun facts. Yeah, I'll go. I'll start this one off. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow. Your mom turns years old tomorrow, um, and we're here in Goshen, so we'll be driving all day to Oklahoma tomorrow. So there won't be much birthday fun to be had, except listening to all podcasts like ours try to make sense out of what happened today <laughs> and other stuff. So that's what we're going to do. So we're going to go out for supper after I get done putting this episode in the can and getting the audio uploaded and all that good stuff for the podcast drop on Monday morning, which I'm not going to drop it early. I'll drop it Monday morning as normal. And, uh, or maybe I'll drop it early. I don't know. Just like I'm sure Mark Whipple doesn't know what to do with, uh, Anthony Grant. I don't know what to do with the audio from this. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's her birthday tomorrow, so we're going to go out and we're going to have our favorite place here in Goshen, Indiana is El Rancho Viejo. If anybody is in that area that's watching this or anybody gets anywhere near Goshen, find El Rancho Viejo. You will not be sorry. Prices are reasonable and the tacos are out of this world. So um, that's the fun fact for me. How about you? Fun fact is that I have officially reached full full level apathy um to the point where while recording this podcast i have been watching the tennessee and georgia game um it just went into halftime it's halftime uh and georgia kicked a field goal to go into halftime they are up 24 to 6 and yeah so i'm i'm kind of bummed i mean i didn't really think that tennessee was gonna I, I just, you know, I just, I think Tennessee's got a little bit more of a ways to go before they're going to contend with that, with that top two dogs in the, uh, in the SEC. But, um, Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt are, they've basically made them a non-factor and we'll see what they do in the second half, but it's halftime now. And I guess, yeah, for the, for the the only thing that's fun about that, I suppose, is that it makes me think that if Josh Heupel can take a twenty year drought national championship team, or was it be like twenty twenty five years or whatever it 1998, is, nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight, the year so twenty four years. Yeah. Um, you know, if Josh Heupel can do that with Tennessee, and they've been down in the dumps for the better part of the last, you know, decade and a half. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we find ourselves a nice little Joshy Poo, not the Josh Hypo, but you know, our own version of a Joshy Poo. Sure. Um, and, uh, maybe start winning some games. Who knows? That would be, that'd be nice. Um, maybe, cool. maybe Mickey Joseph is our, is our Josh Hypo. I don't know. 
We'll find out. But maybe he's our da- Dabo Sweeney. Maybe he is. And I'm sure people are so sick and tired of hearing the comparison between Mickey Joseph and Dabo Sweeney, but you can suck a dick because it's the only comparison to be made. You dumb and shit. There's the explicit tag. See, we almost got to it without it, but that's okay. Well, it pisses me off. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, stop making the comparison. And it's like, well, it's the yeah, only I comparison you can make with an interim coach, you dipshits. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No doubt about it. Anyway, that pretty much wraps this one up. Uh, to follow us on social media, genredpod.com, G-E-N-R-E-D-P-O-D.com. And our social media links are at the top. Make sure you're subscribed to this channel for all of our past content and then ring that bell so you don't miss any of our future stuff. Hopefully it gets better going into next year. Anyway, uh, also please like this video too as it helps this stream get out to other Husker fans. As I said, the audio version of this show will drop on our, on your favorite podcast app either tomorrow morning or Monday morning. Just search for Generation Red, subscribe, and please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a review. It helps folks find our show. Anyway, our next uh, show will be next Sunday, uh, November 13th at 7.30 p.m. unless otherwise uh, decided differently. Anyway, we appreciate you guys watching. Uh, we really appreciate it and listening to this show. Uh, sorry, we kind of mailed this one in. And who knows? Depending on how the rest of this year goes, we mail it, may mail in the rest of them. But uh, never know what team shows up in Ann Arbor. We'll see. Because they're still pissed about 97, and I think they try to do everything they can to us to let us know they would have beat us in 97. I don't know. But um, <clears throat> thanks so much for watching or listening. We really do appreciate it. He's Scott. I'm Ken. Together we are Generation Red, and we are here to remind you every single week that there is absolutely no place like Nebraska. Exactly. And Nebraska will always have better and the more superior corn than Iowa, regardless of what the GDP of each state says about the domestic gross products formerly known as corn and their sales. Uh, Nebraska's (laughs) corn is superior and Iowa's corn sucks. The end. Go big red. Go big red. See you next time. (laughs) 